listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston. I am a brand and marketing consultant. I work with privately owned companies to help them scale. And today, my guest is Fred Beer. He is the president of ITX, itx itx.com. They are a digital company, and I'll let Fred tell a little bit about who they are, but I'm really glad to have Fred on. Before I let him say hi, I just want to tell you one thing. When I started my business years ago, I had an agency. Fred came to me, and I was going through this time of wanting a peer group. I wanted to have other owners that I could talk to. Fred, as he's listening, I don't know if you remember this, but I had other owners that I wanted to talk to, like things, cash flow, employee issues, and I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And you came to me and said, hey, uh, there's this group called Entrepreneurs Organization. So you invited me, actually, to this this amazing resource. It became a decade-long relationship that I had. So we've known each other a long time. So Fred, welcome to The Currency. I'm glad to have you today. Great. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. That was yeah, it was great to have you on in the EO group. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You you owned a company at the time called Origin. You were a founder of this. Yep. This was the early days where the web was sexy. We all didn't understand it, and you had like probably the hottest web agency. I want to say web development company in Rochester at the time, and and uh, I was honored first of all that you invited me, and then I was really excited to find the the uh, resource, and then of course we were members together for years. Um, actually, you, you were on the board. You were president. I think I was learning chair or something on your, on your board. I don't know that I was very good at the job, but we had a good time. So, so Fred, I'm glad to have you today. So currently, you are the president of a company called ITX. Um, and who, who I met, Ralph, the CEO, through EO. Yep, so, so Ralph Dandrigo. goes back to EO. That's right. Gosh, what, what a small... And it's funny because EO is this giant global organization, but uh, a lot of my great friendships and relationships have come through entrepreneurs' organizations. So that's, that's amazing. Right, so Ralph Dandria, uh, the key founder of ITX, he's got a couple partners, uh, uh, Sean Flaherty and, and Jonathan Kupal. Yep. Yep, and uh, you joined them about 10 years ago to take the president's role and to start uh, overseeing the direction of the company. Tell us a little bit, what does ITX do? So we are uh, basically a uh, a custom software development place. We focus on uh, custom uh, product development, uh, software product development. So we get in and help companies uh, build, uh, build custom products that will, that will get out and, you know, be one of the primary value propositions that they offer to their their customers. Um, so uh, taking often things that are not digital or things that were in previous incarnations of, of digital and moving them into a more web, mobile, friendly environment that will really connect with their customers and create inspiring user experiences and high quality and, um, you know, something that, that uh, generates value for the customer. Long-term. Sure. And you guys are originally located here. So we're face-to-face in Rochester, actually Pittsburgh, New York, Rochester, New York. But you have offices all over. So I think you're in Buenos Aires. And where are some of your offices? So we have, uh, we have a number of people in, in South America, but our, our primary offices, we have a small office in Syracuse. Um, we have an office out in Portland. Um, we have an office in uh, Cincinnati. And we have an office in Tulsa. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think when I first met Ralph, uh, I know this was the main office, and I think maybe the, you guys had something in South America at the time, but it's been great to see the company grow. And one of the things that I've been impressed with um, with you, Ralph, and the team is how you've 
how you've not evolved following the market, but how you've kind of evolved leading the market. So if I think way back, uh, you know, a lot of the work I think the Ralph and team were doing was more around like networking and hosting and servers and very rudimentary websites when they came out. And now you guys are so sophisticated. And I'm not surprised. I mean, the vision that Ralph has and the team that you have all assembled is impressive. Um, But it's really cool to see how you've kind of led the charge on product, how you've evolved in that direction. Why is product so important? And why has that become a focus for you? Is this just a niche? Is this like, this is where the world is going? What drives that? So I would say a couple of things. One is, um, you know, software, software is eating the world. I think Andreessen <laughs> yeah. said that, right? Every, every software is needed, at, you know, everywhere. And there's, it's very hard to find a business today that doesn't have some sort of need for software for digital. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's in, permeated everything in our, in, our, in our world. And you can go, there's a lot of off-the-shelf stuff, but then you're like everyone else. How do you differentiate yourself? Sure. If you're going to buy, you know, if you're a bank and you're going to use the same banking software that all your competitors use, yeah. what's different? Right. Well, how do you get your, you know, your people in? You're not differentiating on software. So there's a, there's a market for people who want to say, I want to do it differently. I want to create something that's compelling. I want to really use technology to, um, to create advocates with my, with my users, people who really love my, my, uh, you know, my software and really um, want to keep using it and want to keep coming back. And, it's, and there's a lot of ways, you know, when you talk about branding and stuff, mm-hmm. you can deliver a consistent message in a lot of ways easier with technology than you can with people. What do you mean by that? So think about getting 50 people to do the same thing. It's hard, right? <laughs> we're, we're human beings. It's messy, yeah. right? But if I get 50 people to come to my uh, site and interact, if I design a good experience on my, on my, in my uh, online application, I can have a very consistent experience across all those 50 people sure, um, or thousands of people. Sure. Um, and so you can scale easier. You can, you can have a consistent, um, consistent message, consistent experience um, that is, that's harder to do. You, you can do it, but you have to spend a lot of time on culture and values, and, which are all critically important to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the technology, you know, when, it, when it's really powerful is when you get that people side and the technology working together and, you're, and you're, both of them are delivering the same message. Right. And, then I, and then someone's walking away with, wow, this is what the company really stands for. Instead of they go, maybe you have a great, maybe, you know, maybe you have a company that spends a lot of time on their culture and you have a great experience with the, with the employee and then you go to their website or you go to interact with their software as a customer. Sure. And it's a terrible experience. And you're yeah. like, what, is this the same company? Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. You know, you want to have, you got to have the technology really provide an inspiring experience um, for people using it. Yeah, it's a great insight. And I think of, um, I think especially as companies get larger. So it's one thing if it's like my wife and I running a little business, we have, you know, we should have the same values, although it's not always a given in a marriage. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we, you know, think the same things, Try to we're trying to accomplish the same things. It's easier to keep that kind of a team aligned along a brand value, brand message. As a team gets bigger, it's just harder to find people or even to educate people into what do we stand for in the brand. And we all bring our own issues. Like I might be going through some personal crises, but then I'm at work and I've got to like put that aside. And tr- but software allows me to standardize that experience. I don't think I don't think you're advocating. I don't hear this at all that we should eliminate people out of the mix. You're saying no. get them aligned. Yes. But but the software. Um, 
for the customer experience is a powerful opportunity to really hit that brand home. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's something that it, it works for you all the time, 24-7, right. 365. Right. You don't, you don't, 2 a.m., someone can interact with your, with your, uh, with your software. They, yeah. It, it's, unless you spend a lot of money, you're not going to have them interacting with your people. That, yeah, and the thing, that's a great point. And I think the, the, I say this all the time with, with folks. And I, I didn't make this up. It's probably a Seth Godin thing or who knows who said it. But really, the experience is the product. At the end of the day, right. you have a great product, but if the experience of trying to buy that product and use it is terrible, I don't care if it's the best one. I'm just not. I, I didn't like my experience. I'm not going to go for it. Uh, you can have a mediocre product, but a fantastic experience. And your odds of getting people to come back and continue to use that product are much higher. Ideally, you want to have a fantastic experience, fantastic product, fantastic team. Uh, <laughs> and, and folks can hire ITX to, to help with that, obviously. But um, that's really a great, great insight, Fred. So I think of product, uh, especially in your field, not just as, well, we can make things more efficient. We can make things more eco- economical. I think that's where our mindset used to be around digitizing right. services and products. But now folks are using these to leverage competitive advantage to change the playing field in a big way. What are you seeing along that that line? Is the bulk of your work more uh, the latter or the former? Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do to save on costs, right? You've got to at some point you've got to impact customers, and you've got to you've got to have something that delivers value to the customer. Mm-hmm. And so we have this thing we've we've constructed we call the loyalty ladder, mm-hmm. and the loyalty ladder starts with trust, loyalty, advocacy. And it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a, a, a series of things you go through, right? Every time you interact with a brand or any time you interact with a system, um, you have an experience. And that experience is either positive or negative, mm-hmm. right? And if it's positive, you're going up the ladder. And if it's negative, you're going down the ladder. And it's okay. a lot easier to go down the ladder than it is to go up the ladder. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, it's a lot easier to fall out of a tree than to fly to the sky. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and one bad experience can you bring you down a long ways. Okay. Um, but they, we say there are these, these locations on the ladder where you've reached a certain point where you start to trust. Okay. So you've had enough positive experiences and you start to trust um, uh, the the brand or the, the the software system, you know, our focus is on software systems. But the same thing's true in a mm-hmm. a, in other areas. Um, you start to trust it, and how quickly that is depends on the person. Some people are very trusting, and they'll you know once or twice, and they're you know they're there. Other people it can take a long time. Right? Yeah, it's you know it's a it's it's a one on one type thing, but you can get a sense of when people start to do certain behaviors. You can just say they're trusting. They're starting okay. to trust you. Um, it could be repeat purchases. It could be, you know, different products are going to have different types of uh, things. And then there's another point, which is loyalty. When you've reached a certain level of you've had another group of, uh, of um, positive experiences, you become loyal. Okay. Um, to the, so to you're moving out of trust. You've hit a trust, trust threshold. You've trust threshold, and you're moving up to a loyalty, loyalty okay. threshold. So okay. you're, you're, you're trusting it, but it's beyond trust. Now you're loyal to That's it. like brand loyalty, as I would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you, you continue to move beyond that, and there's, we say there's a, there's a third level, which is advocacy. Okay. Where you become an advocate, and you're, you're the one going out and telling everyone about you gotta it. You've got to try this. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You're, you become the marketing. Of, and that's where you, you want okay. your customers to be as advocates, right? If your customers are advocates in your product or in your, in, in your software, what, you, what you're building, they're going to spread your message. They're going to be supporting you. 
if you have a mistake, if you make a mistake and do one of the you know, negative going down the ladder, if they're an advocate, they're not going to – they're going to be forgiving. Oh, it was just that time, right? Yeah, if you okay. Could, if you think about a brand that you're an advocate of – Yep. They make mistakes. So, so I have a lot more equity. You have a lot more equity with it. Which right. means if I goof a little bit, they, you can kind of cash in on that equity a little bit saying, hey, we messed up. Okay, no problem. Right. I, you, can, you can deplete that equity, though, over time. You can deplete that equity over time. Right? Okay. Right? But um, so you want, if you push them up to that advocacy, and that's why we call it a threshold because it sort of becomes a, a barrier. It, it's harder to go back down okay. when you hit it doesn't mean you don't go back down. Right, if, you right. keep, if you keep having bad experiences, you're going to go all yeah, the way. If you're out of integrity with your brand promise, you're going right. yeah, to kill it. Right. So, um, so this is – I'm just inferring here, so I'm hoping you'll clarify. Do you take this ladder and apply it to software platforms? Like I, I'm just trying to think about – well, conceptually, I like this idea. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, someone comes into the, the experience. They don't really know my product. They don't really trust me yet because they just don't know me do a little business, they use my product or service, trust, and, and so they start ascending that ladder ideally. But is this, are you designing this into systems? Is that what we're doing? Or we're what, abs- how does this apply? Absolutely, we're designing it into systems. So let me tell you, let me back yeah. up a little bit on how you do that. Okay. Um, so it starts with the belief that the most valuable thing you can have as a business is advocates. Okay. It's a little bit of a belief. I personally don't believe it's a very big leap, leap to go, but if yeah. you think about it, Revenue, profit, any of those things aren't going to last long if you don't have advocates. Okay. If you have advocates, they are going to, you know, what does an advocate do? They buy from you at a higher margin. Yeah. They are not going to price shop. They don't price shop. They don't go and look at competitors. They don't. They spread the word. They're pollinating. Exactly. They're your marketing message, right? So so they're They're decreasing their. They're they're, an asset. They're a huge asset. Okay. That isn't on the balance sheet. Yeah. Right. But so our, our belief is that advocates are the most, most important thing you can have. If you've got advocates, um, that should really be what you, you measure and, okay. and what you have. Now, the other piece of this is, okay, so a lot of people say, well, that's a fuzzy concept. How do I know if I have advocates? Yeah. Well, so then you start to say, all right, we've got this ladder, trust, loyalty, advocacy. Let's build what are the behaviors that would indicate that someone's trusting? Okay. What are the behaviors? And then we can look for those behaviors. Sure. Now, in a software system, it's easier to look for those behaviors than it is in a, in a, yeah. in a human system. Yeah, it becomes, it becomes um, very measurable. It becomes measurable, and you can start to target and say, okay, where are people in trust, loyalty, advocacy? Are they starting to give me feedback? That's, an, that's a starting to be an advocacy-type behavior mm-hmm. um, where I'm taking the time to give feedback. Where, or you know, are they, what are they doing? Are they repeat purchasing? Are they, you know, again, it depends on what you're selling, what the product is, and what those behaviors are going to be at each level. But you can start to look at those, um, at those trust, loyalty behaviors, even, even just repeat usage. Are they coming back every day? Sure. You know, again, it depends what the, what the product is. But if you take, go back to banking, if you have a banking application, if you're coming back every day, that's a loyalty. That's yeah. Someone's loyal to that. Yeah. They're not, you know, um, they're not, they don't dislike your product if they're coming back often. Right. Right. Um, and then if they're starting to give you feedback and they're starting to offer you suggestions and they're, you know, those are sort of starting to get okay. into the advocacy type things or they're sharing it and referring it to friends. You know, and you can capture all that data. That's, that's advocacy behaviors. Yeah. So once you have those, then you can also look at, say, okay, now we have ways to measure. We can take our audience and we have our target, target audience. We need to define that target sure, audience. Sure, sure. And know how we want – now we know where we want to get them. We want to get them to advocates. 
Yeah. What features do we need to build? And this this is where I think features come come later. Often people jump. They in want to with start features. with that because they're already right. thinking about. Oh, I want to be able to click this, and we can pop right. up chat and. Yeah. It's like, no, what features do you need that are going to drive people towards trust, towards loyalty, towards advocacy? And you don't want to build a feature that's going to make an advocate first if you don't have any advocates yet. Because it's a waste of money. You, you, can't, you can't jump from zero to advocate. Exactly. You don't, okay. you don't get, you don't get married on the first date, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's an arranged marriage. That's a different story. <laughs> we don't, in, this, in this country, we don't have At arranged. At least wait for the second date. <laughs> we don't have arranged products, right? You don't yeah. get told you have to shop at <laughs> yes, this that, store. That would be in Soviet Russia, maybe, but that's a different story. We had a great uh, pre-conversation before the tape was rolling on uh, free markets, which is really energizing. So uh, that's that's especially pleasant comment there. For yeah. <laughs> so so that's really the the power is how do you how do you what features do you want to build that are going to build to trust to loyalty to advocacy? Sure. And you can start once you know those behaviors. I can say if I if my if my trust behaviors are someone reaching out in a feedback form or requesting information or, you know, what, what are those things? Okay, what do I need to build that will get people to do those things? Right. And then I can measure that and know whether it did what I thought it was going to do. Right. And then you can, then you can, I mean, this is, this is like my mantra for marketing and a lot of folks don't do this, but you've, we've got such an opportunity to, to measure and adjust measure. I mean, marketing, it was always drilled into our heads, even before the digital age that in marketing, you put something out there, you test it, did it work? Then you modify, try it again. It's a great theory, but people don't do it. But what you're talking about, this is, you're doing it. Right. Got to measure. And that's the big opportunity. You don't have to hit a bullseye right out of the gate. You just have to get close and then keep dialing in and dialing in. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. The other thing that I'm struck with, I like, I, I'm always a little skeptical about, I say, shouldn't say skeptical, I'm a little wary about software and the people, not the individuals, but the people behind the software. And here's why. <laughs> we don't see software anymore. We just live in it. You guys had Nir Ayal at the uh, the Product Momentum Conference. He was a speaker. He talked, you know, he's written the book. Uh, in fact, I just got his latest book in the mail. I haven't opened it yet which is called Indistractable, maybe? Um, And what was his first book? Hooked was his first book. Hooked, right. And this idea that you can use software to hook people, the different behaviors. But where I'm going with this is this idea of manipulation. Yep. I'm very big on the autonomy of the individual, that people are not an ends to our mean, that they are an ends unto themselves. And so how do we respect that as opposed to use people for our own benefit? What I like about what you're talking about here is that if I want you to be an advocate, our interests are actually aligned. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to try to take advantage of you. I'm going to try to serve you in a way that makes your life better. And by doing that, you're going to win and I'm going to win. Versus, because if you're going to try to manipulate me and I get wind of that, you can oh, forget the ladder. Yeah, the ladder, so you've, you'll never get that trust back. Right. So I like there's an inherent fail-safe or safety check or something and check and balance in the system because you're aligning your interests with your user. Right. Yeah. It's powerful. It's yeah, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. And they, and yeah, they don't they win everyone wins to win-win sure relationship, which is the best the best type of relationship you can have. Fred, can you give I know you can't share client client work is always proprietary, but can you yeah. give an example uh, so that we can kind of concretize in our mind what this looks like? In the real world, is there something you could share? Yeah. So, uh, what we would so most of what we do is more um, more product types. So, it's, I, I differentiate that from like a standard website. 
right? Website Absolutely. is more yeah. of a marketing awareness. Yep. It's, it's almost like getting you to trust, right? Yeah. It's, it's getting you to awareness and that first stage before you even get to trust. Sure. And we're really looking at um, the, the customer portal or the things of that sort that is taking someone and saying, okay, now that we've got them, how do we move them up? Um, an example that I would I would say is just one because everyone uses it pretty much every day, which is online banking, right? Everyone's got their bank on their phone or on their, yep. you know, and, and they interact with it all the time. Um, and you can measure trust, loyalty, advocacy on that. You know, how often are people coming in? How often are people coming back? To to uh, to do, to use it, right? How how what types of things are they doing the on the trust platform? issue? Do I trust you with certain kinds do, of transactions? Right, yeah. The types of transactions that I do could be trust. Do I transfer there? Do I call? Pick up the phone and call when I'm on. You can tell I'm on the system and I pick up the phone and call. Right, that's a sign that I there may be a lack of trust. Okay. Uh, of some sort. Sure. Um, you know, so you can start to get those measures, certainly sharing and those types of things. Now, obviously, you're not going to share your bank balance, but you can share Oh, I do. At dinner parties all the time. <laughs> <laughs> those are interesting dinner parties. I never get, I never get invited. to. I can't figure out why no one invites me to dinner parties. <laughs> well, that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, but you get to the, uh, you can you can measure Absolutely. those different things and then and uh, and and then determine okay what do I need to build and what it you know okay people aren't paying their bills they aren't paying their bills on the on the system you know or they're they're you know in this way if we change this experience if we make it easier to jump and get in sure. or if we do this sure. are they are they starting to do more of those types of behaviors. Sure. Um, a lot of this is, you know, changing the user experience, making it easier to use, yep. simpler, yep. easier to find, and then and then features that are going to, you know, if I show the, you know, you look at some of the things like, um, I think it's simple. I'm not actually a customer, but they, uh, I think they have an online banking system where they start to give you, they organize your balance by budget. Ah, uh, okay. So it's so it's not just your balance and budget the way most of the banks do. They start to they start to say, well, how are you actually going to use this? Yeah, they integrate and into they, your life. They yeah. integrate it into your life, and they and they start to allow you to break down your balance and say, I want this to be in my save, you know, my don't sure. touch yeah. area. This is allocated for car. This is allocated, and and it will show you all of that, you know. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. Now you're starting to create experiences that are building loyalty with their users Absolutely. in a ways that the standard bank just isn't doing. Do you know, it's funny you brought up banking. I was having a coffee meeting with someone this morning, a business owner. She invited me out. We were talking a little bit about marketing. And uh, she said, no, no, I want to pay. I want to buy coffee. You know, I invited you. Okay, great. So we get the bill, two cups of coffee. But she pulled out her credit card, and it was a Capital One Spark card, which is a business card which I transitioned over to them like just less than a year ago, but I have fallen in love with this credit. I've never loved a credit card more. I shouldn't say that. I love my Amazon Prime card. That's a whole other. <laughs> but this Spark card is like the best business card I ever had. So when she pulled it out, I it almost caught my breath. I'm like, is that, a, is that a Capital One Spark? She said, yeah. And I pulled out mine to show her that I've got one. And we started raving the two of us about how much we love it. And they do things like they're great um, text messages. These are advocacy updates. behaviors, by the way. Well, that's, that's where I'm going with this is like – as you're talking about this, it occurred to me, it's like, I'm an advocate. I tell people when they're right. in business, like, oh, you should check out, I love my Capital One card. So that, I'm resonating, that, and, and I'm not doing a ton. It's not like they're in every aspect of my life, but the things that they do that I want them to do, they do them so well. 
and I love it. And I'm telling people, which is weird. It's a credit card. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm running mileage and, get, and uh, computer purchases. It's boring, but I'm excited about it. Right. So, yeah, you're spot on there. And do you, do you log into their online system? I do. Right. So, and that, I love and, it. and and the online system is part of it, right? If the and online the app is fantastic, I get notifications for every little thing, but you know, not in ways that are irritating to me. Like they've really figured out the user experience. It's not just that there's all this data available, but the way that they give it to me is the way that I want it. Because sometimes some of these banking, it's like they they triple security, and I, it's almost too much. It's irritating. Like when I want right. to log in, now I got to answer. Th- I got to create three new security questions. It's time to update. It's like I don't have time. I just need to get something done right now. And, and for some reason, Capital One's figured that out. Yeah. I, well, and some of them, I mean, I won't name the name, but I local bank here, I switched off of because they wouldn't do two-factor authentication. I'm like, my yeah. Gmail account is more exactly. secure than my bank account. Exactly. What, what's going on there? Yeah. Um, and, and to your point, you know, you opened up earlier about these off-the-shelf. So I'm with a local bank for my commercial banking, and and I was been with others. And I can tell they've got the same back-end off-the-shelf system that runs their online banking. Now, it doesn't bother me that it's off-the-shelf, but it just tells me that they have not put thought into it. They're just plugging it in. And I'm grateful. Hey, I can do my – I can pay bills online. But it's the same interface, just different colors. Right. And the thing that that amazes me is – okay, they they spent that, yet they will spend millions of dollars to open a new branch. Yes. That – Probably, I mean, how often do you go to their branch? I don't. I might, you know, I should take that back. I do deposit commercial checks, and that's a drive-through. You know, all the money I make twice a day, that's <laughs> a drive-through twice a month. You know, I'm just dropping some checks off. Right. There's no interaction. There's no interaction at all. So they're spending millions of dollars in a place where their best customers, their commercial customers, rarely use, and they're spending nothing on the place where their best customers are going all the time. Yeah. You know, nothing from a sense of differentiating. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, no thoughts. Go- I mean, they put thought into it. I'm sure a committee got together, looked at different vendors, decided which product is the best for us. But they're not thinking they're they're thinking we need to provide a certain service. It's pipeline. We just need to update our pipeline right. versus is there a platform we can create that changes the whole game? Change, changes the game. Right. Yeah. And get right and differentiate. You know, what's your differentiator, and and what you know, and that again goes back to the branding, right? What's your differentiator? What's your so you want to you want to build that? What's your your target audience and your differentiator, and then build the product that's going to help you, you know, do that. My guest today is Fred Beer. He is the president of ITX Corporation. You can check out the company. I'll give you two ways to check them out. One is uh, go to itx.com. Very easy, itx.com. You can learn more about them. I would also like to encourage you to check out their podcast. They have a podcast about product development. It's called Product Momentum, and that's their, uh, that's their kind of branded system for developing products. You can find that at productmomentum.fm. We'll be right back with more with our friend Fred Beer. Folks, I hope you're enjoying today's interview. I have so much fun putting these podcast episodes together. It's such an honor to interview these folks, to learn from them, and to put this content out there. Look, if you like things that are marketing and branding related, if you want to become a better marketer, learn how to drive significant revenue through your marketing efforts to transform your brand into a real strategic asset, then I want to encourage you to go over to my website 
and sign up for my newsletter. The website is mikegaston.com. That's M-I-K-E-G-A-S-T-I-N.com. Just scroll to the bottom of the page and there's a little sign up form right there. You'll never get any spam. I will never sell your information. But what I will do, I will send you an email once a week with the new content that I've created. I put out videos about branding and marketing. I write articles about branding and marketing. And as you know, I create this podcast. So sign up today, get in the system, and learn more about branding and marketing. Become a better marketer. Guys, thank you so much. Let's get back to today's interview. And we're back. My guest today is Fred Beard, president of ITX. Fred, welcome back to The Currency. It's a lively, encouraging, exciting conversation. Um, what I'm hoping we can do is maybe put some some structure to this. So I get the loyalty ladder. I love the concept. What does developing a product look like from A to B? And we don't have to get into the weeds, but there must be some structure or system that you guys like to use. Yeah. So thanks, Mike. It's been great, great being here. Um, so yeah, we went through the loyalty ladder, the trust, loyalty, advocacy. That's more the the strategy part. But then there's also the okay, how do you how do you build it, right? And 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 that can <laughs> these be, are great ideas, but yeah, who's <laughs> right, going to yeah. execute it? Um, and we have this concept, which is where the uh, the podcast name comes from, of momentum, product momentum. Yep. Um, and momentum is is we say there are four thing, four components of momentum. Okay. Um, and momentum is basically how quickly are you moving towards the goal that you want to get. So sure. you, you got to have a goal, and you got you to know where you're going and, and how quickly you're getting there. And the, the four components are vision, roadmap, motivation, and, and uh, capability. Okay. Um, so vision is that you got to know where you're going, right? It's, if, you don't know the, if you don't have that vision set, you don't have the target audience, you don't have um, who, uh, you know, what, what they want to achieve – you're, it's going to be very hard to accomplish much of anything. And, and we say these each component is multiplied by each other. So if any of them is zero, you're going to have no momentum. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so it's like almost like a formula. It's almost like a formula. For success. Of, right. Wow. That's, um, that's clever. And you can sort of see that if you don't have vision – you know, where you're going to have a lot of frustration and confusion, you know, the direction's not going to be clear. You're going to, and uh, you're not going to get to, uh, uh, you're not going to move in a, in a direction quickly. Or you'll move all over, but maybe not to any specific place, right? Exactly. <laughs> so when you're talking about vision is, it, I mean, obviously you're pulling in the, the organization's vision on a higher level, but you're talking about a, a project Pro- vision, a product, a product vision. The vision for the product. And for you're helping the client figure this out. Absolutely. So you're going through a process to help them discover. Yep. So they're coming to the table probably often saying, well, our vision is to make sure that they can have a chat bot, you know, that pops <laughs> up, that goes to the feature function. Right. And you're saying, that's great, but let's talk and about then, why are we doing this in the first place? What's the, what are we accomplishing? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Cool. So, so you have the vision. Then the next is the roadmap, in which the roadmap is, all right, what is the, what is the steps to get there? All right. So the vision may be, Great to get there on the at the um, at the at the high level, but the roadmap okay. is you know the the steps to uh, to get there. You got to you got to know the, the the process on how to get there. Okay. Um, and then the other two are more about the team itself. Okay. Um, so motivation is how motivated is the team? Okay. 
Um, you know, we, we run into times when the client is, you know, it's hard to get the client on the phone to answer a question or to get, <laughs> there's obviously a motivation problem there, right? They, right. That doesn't mean that they, the client is, has a motivation, the motivated about this product. The team, right. 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 So they may have other priorities that are pulling them in a different direction. Sure. And they aren't, can't dedicate time to this. Well, that's a motivation problem for this product. Now, it doesn't mean, it may be the right decision for the company. Yeah. But this kind of product's got a motivation problem because right. people are being pulled in too many directions or, or going. Sometimes the team itself is just, why are we building this? I don't get it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's meaningless stuff that I'm doing. Well, that's and, where the vision, I, now I see why you're doing the, it's, it's multiplicative, I guess. I don't know if that's what you said, but if the vision is zero, the motivation is going to be a zero. Right. Because if you've got a team that understands, well, this is what we're trying to accomplish and why, that, that at least that vision can start to inform and motivate the team to say, okay, now I'm excited. And if I've got a roadmap that shows me how I'm going to get there, then, it, then I'm even more excited because this isn't just pie in the sky. This, I can see this really happening. Right. So I start, I start, I'm starting to see why you're saying these things influence each other. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, they, yeah, they all, they all play off each other. Um, so that's motivation, and we use a lot in the motivation. Um, uh, actually, University of Rochester, uh, local, local plug here, uh, uh, professor. You're a, you're a grad? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, Edward Deasy. Okay, yeah, I've heard of um, Edward Deasy, sure. He created a, a theory called self-determination theory. Yep. Um, and which Do you talk- mind sharing that? What does that mean? So self-determination theory, the, um, uh, it was popularized in the book Drive by Dan, Dan Pink. Yep. Um, but they, that book was based on DC's work on self-determination theory. Uh, and Ryan, there's two, two U of R professors. Okay. Um, self-determination theory is, is basically there's intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. Extrinsic mm-hmm. is more about rewards and the once, carrot and the stick. Yeah, the carrot <laughs> and the stick. Once you take those things away, you, people, that behavior will stop. So you can get really good results on task-type stuff if you reward it, but yep. if you stop those rewards, goes away. It goes away. Um, intrinsic motivation is people do it because they want to do it. Sure. Um, and knowledge work, you really need intrinsic motivation. It's very, it's you know, people try to use extrinsic motivation on knowledge work, and it just doesn't work. I mean, in a lot of studies that have been done on this at this time, there are thousands of studies across the world that have been done on self determination theory mm-hmm. showing it. Um, and so. The, the, the theory is what does it need to be intrinsic motivation? And he's, they say it's, there are three things that you need. You need autonomy. That's mm-hmm. the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that's a sense of not being controlled. Um, it doesn't mean that you're it, – it's not independence. Independence is not autonomy. This isn't anarchy. I can do whatever I want. Exactly. It's autonomy, it's which autonomy. is different. Yeah, exactly. Different. Um, it's that feeling of – it's the feeling that you are in control and that you, you, you can – you can control things. Sure. Um, the next is relatedness. Okay. Um, and that's being connected to other people. Hmm. Um, we are social beings. If you look back on, you know, any society, you know, in, in human history, we are, you know, you don't see the, the, the hermit living out in the, you know, that's rare. That's right. right. You don't have. That's an exception. Yeah. Right. You don't have societies of hermits. 
Right. It just doesn't exist well, in it's, our... It's, those are mutually exclusive terms. Society and hermit are like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so we are social beings. We, we, you know, we, we live in groups. We, we yep. interact in groups um, throughout our whole history. I've made the argument, uh, not in business, but that the basic unit of society is not the individual like we in America tend to think, but it's yeah. really the family. is the basic kind of biological unit of the society because it's, it's, it's historically and... And, uh, well, historically, mankind, it's two people coming together to be a team. Right. I mean, that's, you can't have society without at least two people together doing something. And what we like to think of ourselves as the basic unit of society is the individual, the individual. And I'm, I'm all for individual autonomy. I'm not saying that people should lose that autonomy, but, uh. I totally agree with you. You've got to have connectedness. You've got to have connectedness. And, and that's where the autonomy and the relatedness, that's why autonomy isn't about independence. It's, it's, you've got to have autonomy with relatedness. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is, um, is um, autonomy, relatedness, and uh, competency. Um, and you, you have to feel competent in what you're doing. Sure. If, you, if, you, if it's either really easy to do what you're trying to accomplish or really, really hard where you, there's no way you're going to be able to do it. Right. You're not. So there's that, there's that, you, you have to feel competent. And if you, if, and you can guide people on, on feeling competent. And gaining competence too, right? Right. Sure. Um, right. So you can, so those three things have to be present to, to have a, a intrinsic motivation. In, intrinsic motivation. Wow. Um, and so that's, you know, when you think of the individuals in a system, you know, a motivation, that's, that's what leads towards um, that. And so we try to base things on, on anything that we're doing on the science behind it, right? And, and this is, you know, this has been verified. I think this, the self-determination theory came out in the 70s or 80s. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. been, it's been around for a while. Sure. And there's been, as I said, literally thousands of studies on it. So it's, it's not like it's a some one independent consultant right. said, oh, this is what I think it should be. It's right. <laughs> it's not the bleeding edge. It's yet to be determined. It's, it's been proven out. I mean, obviously things can always be refined or sometimes you discover right. something new. But uh, on the other hand, though, what may be more innovative about this is the, is the application of this to the work that you're doing. Right. So, yeah, so you look at that and, and you look at that and say, okay, what is the motivation of the team? Is the team feeling, if the team's feeling controlled and manipulated or so they don't feel autonomy, they're not going to have a lot of motivation. Sure. If they feel like they don't have the capability to do what's needed, they're not going to feel motivated. Sure. If they feel like they don't connect to the other people, they're not going to, you know, so, so you look at those things and how do those, how do the individuals in the team, do they, can we build uh, intrinsic motivation? And part of this is it's a feeling. Yeah. So you and I can be in the same system, and one of us could feel like we're uh, oh, I got tons of autonomy here, yeah. and the other one could feel like this is a controlling environment. Right. Right. <laughs> it's all, it's very subjective, or can be very subjective. Right. And even I think of as you're talking about this, having run client projects, not the same scope or the same kinds of things, but you know, I quickly go to what do you do when you have a micromanaging manager. That, that is the is your direct client that's saying, I'm funding and driving. This is my project. Right. So you're thinking, okay, we've got to get this team on board. But then the person that we're working with, I, I can just play forward some potential challenges. I'm imagining, I'm imagining you guys play counselor, educator, psychologist. <laughs> how, how, you, know, the, you, you must at, run at into times, that. At times, yeah, you do. And, that's and the and art side of it, I guess. And the other, the other side of that is a lot of times if you explain the why behind it, um, you know, I'll give you an example on um, airline uh, airline 
pilots. So I heard a, the uh, talk from uh, uh, Skiles, the, the co-pilot of the Miracle on the Muscle. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, Hudson. Um, and he talked, his talk was going through how all the checklists and stuff. Sure. That you have. And pilots and have tons of checklists. Tons of checklists. And I asked him a question at the end. I said, did you feel autonomy from that or did you feel like that was stifling? To Fantastic you? question. And he said, I felt autonomy. And he said, because I knew why. Yeah. He said, I knew, that every, I knew the process that every time there was an accident, these were going through other pilots that were and, – and they were – had been refined over – Many, many, many times, and there was, and each thing was on that checklist for a reason why, right? Right, and so for him, that was freeing to know I don't have to think about all this. I can think about the flying of the plane. That's right. Now I've heard of other pilots that they don't like the checklist at all. In sure. fact, they go out and fly on the on the evenings in their private or in the you know their own time on their own plane because they can do that without having to deal with right. all the checklists because right. it's it's you know. You know, stifling to them. Sure. So how each person feels it differently, but I think if they understand the why behind it, that's the best way you can do to get them yeah. to yeah. to see the you know. So if you have a micromanaging client, to go back to that, you can explain why to the team, and you can start to you know start to have them see the reasons why, so that they're not just seeing it as this person's just controlling everything. Sure. Um, you know, what's maybe they're anxious or they're you know, and then and then they can start to put that in perspective, which gives which allows them to feel more autonomy. Sure. So we've got, we've got vision, we've got motivation roadmap. Um, and you talked a little bit about capability, Did, but let, is there more to unpack under capability? Yeah. So capability is the, is the last of the, of the four. So again, you have to have the vision, you have to have the roadmap of your vision of where you're going, roadmap of how you're going to get there. The motivation is, you know, you got to be motivated to move, to go down that, sure. that path. And then the capability is you have to have the capability to do it. Sure. So if I, if I, you know, told you to do open heart surgery, right, you know, you may have the vision, you may have the roadmap, you may have the motivation, but you don't have the capability. Well, I mean, I could do it, but I guarantee you that patient would not get off the table, <laughs> not of their own power, at least it would be uh, it would be a failed heart surgery. Right. So so in our business, we look at the capability of do you have the right skills and the software technologies sure. that are being used? Like gap analyses and that type of right. thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have the do you have those capabilities? Do you have the right amount of money? Sure. You know, if someone's got a vision for a product that's that's millions of dollars, yeah. and they only got a budget of two hundred thousand dollars. They don't have enough capability right. to do that. They right. got to change that vision. And change the vision, sure. Um, to to get that, or find more money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it becomes that that component. You know, you have to have uh, the capability there to uh, to deliver. Sure. Um, so, Fred, we're talking about this. Uh, this is fantastic. I love the view in. I appreciate you being candid and sharing, you know, your approach to product development. I love the loyalty ladder. In fact, are, are these um, – I know you've got some papers on these. We could share these with the audience, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, folks, I'll, I'll put a link to two different documents in the show notes. One will be a paper on the loyalty ladder that ITX has developed. Another will be on their product momentum process. And even if you, I mean, I would highly encourage if you've got a project, give Fred and his team a call. But if you don't, I think that you'll learn uh, a great kind of approach and, and way of thinking as you're approaching any, any product development challenge. 
Where well, I'm going with this, though, is to say, um, Fred, these are great. And I, I hear budgets like, you know, you're just yeah. hy- hypothetically a million dollars, 200000 I look at product as an opportunity for smaller organizations, privately owned businesses, you know, companies that are $10 million, $50 million, $200 million in revenue, not huge companies, but, you know, really good-sized companies to innovate, to get uh, a leg up on larger competition, to change the playing field. But I, as I go about doing my consulting, I don't often see these companies doing that kind of innovation, product development. How, how can companies that are not a Pepsi, you know, not a not a, a a giant company, how can they access this kind of work? Is there a way to to do this work that fits? Yeah, and well, and, and so a lot of this stuff isn't cost any money, right? So if you start with just the loyalty ladder of trust, loyalty, and advocacy, and and figuring out what is the behaviors that you need at each one of those, yeah. and how do we how do we measure that? That doesn't co- that that's time. You got to you got to you got to you got to think about it. Sure. You got to you got to do some trial and error. You got to do some experiments. But you can you can do that with anything. And even if you're in an industry where you know because the off the shelf product is generally significantly cheaper, right? And that's why people yeah. you know don't Absolutely. build the 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 other. That's why the bank uses the off-the-shelf one because it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they're selling the same. They built the product, and they're selling it to hundreds or thousands of customers. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're custom building it, you're building it for one. Yeah. It's going to be more money. Yeah. Um, so, but, okay, so maybe you have to take the off-the-shelf product, or maybe you have to take the, you know, something that everyone else is doing. What can you do with the trust, loyalty, advocacy? What can you do to drive advocacy? That's a great maybe it's a Maybe it's a document or a, or a brochure or something that walks the customer through how to do it or a personal call that helps guide them through it. Or, you know, there, again, depends what your brand is and what your message is sure. and how you're trying to communicate it. But how can you put your own spin on it? How can you put a, a user experience in front of it or a help guides or other things that would yeah. differentiate you from, from yeah. others that isn't going to be a huge amount of money? but would help move it. And again, it's all, which one of those is going to move you to trust, loyalty, advocacy? That's right. Um, That's a good insight. And what I think about as you're talking about this is the customer's journey. I mean, I think sometimes people just take it for granted while they show up and they buy something or we go sell it to them. But maybe taking the time to map out a customer's journey, meaning what do they go through? What are the touch points for them as they come find you, engage with you, buy your product, use your product? You guys must do journey mapping all the time. We absolutely, yep. yep. Could, you, could you just for the audience maybe just give like a little bit of an explanation? Because I think as they're thinking about the, the, the loyalty ladder, having a journey map in front of them might be really useful to think about the ladder right. and ways they can apply it. So, so the journey map is basically taking a, for a, um, a particular type of customer, a particular uh, target audience, what is the standard way that you want them to come through your product? So, and this doesn't have to just be website. No, this right. Can, right. It could, this could be for any. And, and in fact, could all be these a pizza tools, joint. It could be any place. All yeah. these tools work for anyone. Right. Right. You know, doesn't have to be digital. The yeah. non-digital, you can still trust loyalty, advocacy. Absolutely. And even momentum, vision, roadmap, motivation, capability. Do you, yeah. you know if you're trying to accomplish? Uh, you know, they, they, it works outside of outside of digital. absolutely. Um, so, um, but. Where was I going? The uh, so journey map. Is oh, journey same. map. Yeah. So the journey map is that is that process of where, how does the standard customer interact? You know, if you think about, you go to the pizza joint that you you know said the standard customer walks in the door, goes up to the counter, orders the pizza, 
goes and sits down, you know, it's, so pizza gets delivered, you know, so that's the, the journey map is, is that map of how they, how they flow through. How it. I work, move through your business. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then you, by mapping that out, you can start to interact. You can start to see where are the patterns? Where do you, where do I want them to go? Maybe I don't want them to go to the counter first. Sure. Well, if the counter's right there when I come in the door, I got a problem. Yeah, user, it's a user experience issue. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. If I want them to go sit down first, I better put up a wall there or something to, sure. to guide them into. Sure. You know, so how do I design the system? How do I design the you know? In, in software, you're designing the system to get them to do what yeah. you what you want. Um, or often, what are they doing, and how do I ta- leverage what they are doing? Because sometimes it's easier to. That's right. In fact, often it's easier to leverage what they're already doing rather than trying to change someone's behavior. Yeah. Um, so how do I how do I uh, how do I leverage that to add something new into the mix or get them you know um, to to bring them along? And that's where that trust, loyalty, advocacy are measurements that are saying these are going to the journey map can help you define the positive experiences where those experiences mm-hmm. are going to happen mm-hmm. and then that trust loyalty and advocacy will be the the measures that you are hitting sure you know it is those positive experiences enough to get them to the next to the next level and i mean on the negative side you can find where there are pain points and opportunities to make that better because you right. know i'm thinking about your you know if i'm trying to build equity even on the trust if i don't have trust and there are pain points that's making it harder for me to develop trust and absolutely how do we eliminate that how do we make that experience better and it's amazing too sometimes there are small tweaks these aren't like well we need to now bring in a fifty thousand dollar piece of equipment sometimes it's like we just need to train the employees to say certain things make eye contact it could be little things that really transform the experience for the user i talk about this credit card this spark capital i'm not by the way this is not a, a branded content <laughs> we are not sponsored but capital one call them if you're listening <laughs> hit me up um there are little things that they do but they really uh, they make me excited i don't know why i'm a old man with a credit card it's like i don't know it makes me happy but it's funny though there's little so so i'm just i guess i'm trying to echo as we're talking about smaller business um these don't have to be expensive things you map it out it might be small tweaks that have a really big impact right right and that's part of the design is looking for the smallest impact with the biggest you know the smallest uh, change for the biggest uh Biggest impact. Are, are customers and clients coming to you already deciding we need a certain kind of a software or digital product? Or are they sometimes coming to you saying, look, we, we don't know what we need or want, but we want to, we know there's an opportunity. Are you helping them envision uh, potential products? Are you helping them innovate? Or are you saying, we'll help you execute on your vision? I mean, are you getting involved in innovation work as well? So it it depends. I mean, we do we do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, we we certainly we run a what we call a product innovation workshop. Okay. So, often yeah. in the beginning, that's yep. helping define what that target audience is and what the, what the opportunity sure. is, um, and how um, often clients will come with a general idea, mm-hmm. um, but that process helps them prioritize and say you know they'll they'll come up with the ideas or you know sometimes they'll have features that are you know fantastic features that are going to build advocacy. Sure. But if you're launching a new product, you don't need advocacy. You know, you, you have to be trust. You can't, you can't jump straight to advocacy. So if you've got a feature that no one's going to use until they're an advocate, yeah. you shouldn't build it right away. You should be building the things that are going to be required for trust right away so that you can get them up and move them. And then sure. in your 
phase two, phase three, add those features as you start to get people moving up towards advocates. Um, That's good. Fred, I want to know, before we wrap up, last question for you. What are you most proud of? You've been the president of ITX now for 10 years. You've been involved in a lot of client projects that I'm sure are interesting. You've been uh, instrumental in the, in the, the growth of ITX and its success. What are you most proud of? So, our, so we have our mission at ITX is, uh, is to use technology to solve challenging problems so that we can move, touch, and inspire the world. Um, and I'm, I'm most proud of the, 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 when we say move, touch, and inspire the world, that's the, the outcome that we want. Um, it, is, it is making a difference, making an impact in the world. And, it, and we do that through our customers. So the, the fact that we have customers that do amazing things um, that, uh, you know, that help people do their payroll, that help people, you know, um, researchers do better research and, and connect with researchers more, more fully, that, you know, help financial planning, that help, you know, that, and, and those things really make a difference to their customers, um, where the, through that we're moving, touching, inspiring the world. That's, that's really what, what, we're, what, what, we, what we love doing and what, what I'm most proud of that we do. My guest today has been Fred Beer. Fred, thank you so much. Fantastic discussion. I'm grateful for your friendship, and I'm grateful for the content that you shared today. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Mike. It was great. Great being here. Guys, do me a favor. Please check out Fred and his company. You can check them out at itx.com. And as I mentioned before, uh, please check out their podcast. If you're into product, you want to learn about product development, product management, you need to go check out productmomentum.fm. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not encourage you to also check out my podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Currency. (laughs) You're listening now. You can find The Currency anywhere that fine podcasts are provided. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Uh, Do me a favor and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you'd like to, follow me. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Mike Gaston or the same on Twitter. Guys, I love you all. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you.